Um, so the overall title for this evening is Extinction Prevention, obviously genuflecting to Extinction Rebellion, but we are in the matter of preservation. Preserving what's precious, precious to God and so to us. We've got three main areas to cover tonight, and uh, from the three speakers in turn, preserving our planet, preserving purpose among today's youth, and preserving the people of God in the churches of God, particularly in the Western world. So, the very first one is my topic, and it's about preserving the planet. But, you know, there's a link between the three sections, and we hope you'll see some sort of progression. And I was really sobered recently to come across the results of a survey by Rasmussen and Harrison X, which stated that 51% of people under the age of 35 believed it was somewhat likely that humanity would be wiped out in the next decade. I thought, wow, imagine people thinking that. But if we are to engage with our culture and communicate God's good news with our culture, we need to know what people are thinking. And that's the prevalent thought amongst the younger and rising generations. So that takes us to a sense of purpose, and that will morph us into what Dave has to say following what I'm saying to you now. So let's move straight on, preserving the planet. I'll be sharing factual and topical information, so I want to begin very clearly with a biblical worldview. And we can do no better, I think, to go to Psalm 24 and verse 1, where it says, The earth is the Lord's, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. The usual parallels that you get in the Psalms saying the th same thing. The Lord is the owner of the earth, the owner of the world, and all it contains. And we're here to be his stewards, to manage the planet for him. So it was from the beginning. But in another chapter 24, this time of Isaiah, there's a much more somber tone comes across. And this text is set between biblical judgments that were being pronounced in the 6th century BC, sweeping through in its prospect to national judgments at the time of the end. And so it's very much in context as we near the time of the end to look at this verse and to read it together now. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgressed laws, violated statutes, broke the eternal covenant. Now some commentators will tell you that eternal covenant is the new covenant. I don't think it is at all. I think that is referring to the historic, Bible-wide, creation-wide mandate for us to be good stewards of the planet. And generally speaking, we've not done a very, very good job. And God is here saying that the Earth's inhabitants have indeed polluted the Earth. When we talk about environmental issues, unless you've been asleep for the last 20 years, the big term is greenhouse effect. And just very briefly, um, our atmosphere blankets the planet and sunlight comes onto the planet and heat radiates back from the Earth's surface and it should go back out into space but in the atmosphere, although it's 99% nitrogen and oxygen which don't absorb any heat, there are a very tiny fraction of greenhouse gases and they do absorb heat. And they are such as water vapour, carbon dioxide and methane. And so they trap heat 
and it's like a blanket around the earth. So, what's the issue? I'm sure we know it, but let's just refresh our memory on it. We breathe out carbon dioxide because we are eating, we are consuming food, we're burning it like a fuel, it has carbon in it, and we breathe out uh, carbon dioxide as a result. On the other hand, plants absorb carbon dioxide under the power of sunlight, they take uh, carbon dioxide and they take hydrogen from water and they build new plant structures. Wonderful, and things should balance. But the books are becoming unbalanced, it would seem, in the world today. Why is that happening? Well, you're aware, if we take fossil fuels that are buried and not making any contribution, but we mine them and bring them to the surface and burn them, then they begin to make a contribution, adding to the CO2. Also, if we deplete the ozone layer, 18 miles above the Earth's surface, we let more ultraviolet in, and it radiates on the surface of the oceans and kills microscopic plants. And so, less carbon dioxide is being absorbed. That's a bigger effect than rainforests, in fact, because the ocean is 72% of the planet's surface. So, we are upsetting the balance. And simple physics suggests that the average temperature of the planet will therefore increase. That's the concern. Things are really that simple, however. But starting with what is well established, from 1959, we've got hard data that says that the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is steadily increasing. In terms of parts per million, it's on the rise. Why are things not that simple? Well, volcanoes have historically produced far more greenhouse gases than the whole era of industrialization since the Industrial Revolution onwards. Also, for much of Earth's history, the Earth's temperature has been warmer than it is now. Secular scientists would say that, and I think if we take a plain reading of the early chapters of the Bible, we could perhaps come to that same conclusion. Also, it's well established that since 1750, the sun has been more active. This is sunspot activity. And when that happens, the planet becomes warmer. Global temperatures increase. The melting of ice sheets and the retreating of glaciers is something that dates back to the end of the so-called Ice Age. So it's an ongoing situation. But today, human pollution takes centre stage. It's the big issue that everyone talks about in terms of global warming. And of course, the public face of protest has become that of a Swedish 17-year-old schoolgirl, Greta Thunberg. And thinking of the protest movement that she symbolises, I think it does face us up with four questions to look at briefly tonight. Is global warming real? Is it all caused by us? Should we as Christians be concerned about it? And what should we do about it, if anything? Let's have a look at that then. Is global warming real? I'm showing a, a slide here that is a picture of a glacier in the Canadian Rockies. It's retreating away in the background, but there's a marker board in the foreground with the date 1890 on it. And that glacier was up to that marker board at 1890. So you can see that it has receded. 
nearly all glaciers have receded since about 1880. Back in 2007, the former Vice President of the US, Al Gore, when he was getting his Nobel Prize for his environmentalist campaigning, said that the North Pole ice cap was rapidly diminishing and in seven years, he said, it would be gone. It was falling off a cliff edge. Actually, that hasn't happened. That was far too alarmist because you can see from NASA satellite images that in 2012 it was still there and in fact at the same time in the cycle the following year it had in fact increased. So these things fluctuate and we don't need to be as alarmist as people like Al Gore. However, over decades there is a decrease. So what we can see is there is evidence for global warming. It is real. Looking here at a, a little graphic that shows what's called the global average temperature anomaly. And by anomaly, it means difference from the average. So the average is a center line, and you can see that it's going from 1880, and then from 1880 to 1940, the anomaly, the temperature differences from average were negative. They're downward, they're below the line, showing it was below average. From 1940 to the present time, it's above the line, positive, above average. So there is clearly a rise in global temperature. But look at the scale. It's going, if you take the, the bottom most to the topmost, of about 1.2 degrees Fahrenheit. That doesn't sound as much as some of the concern that's expressed, which is often based on computer modeling. And these computer simulations have to be relatively simplistic, trying to capture the complicated dynamics of our planet. And they appear to exaggerate <coughs> the amount of temperature increase due to carbon dioxide increase. I just want to make this point from that. Climate disaster is not just round the corner. Sometimes we read the headlines and we might think it is. But the hard science says it's not. And that is consistent with the Bible, which gives us even more confidence. Because we remember the words of our Lord Jesus, Matthew 24, verse 6, talking about a time when there would be climate changes and environmental um, problems, such as earthquakes around the globe. And he said, it is not yet the end when you see these things happening. There's some way to go. Now, we've all seen the apocalyptic style visions from Australia just now and it is unprecedented it would almost seem and so you say well you're only talking about one degree but what about these fires and the high temperatures well yes that is true of course um, but it's a patchy picture globally so you get more than one degree increase in some places and you get lowering temperatures in others Australia is currently having very hot summers North America very cold winters so it, it kind of balances out when you take the average. And three independent ways of taking the global temperature converge with a similar result. And the conclusion is, in 2019, last year, the world was 1.1 degrees Celsius warmer than in the pre-industrial period. So that's the scale of change. It's real, but it's not exactly massive. Is it all caused by us humans? 
Well, I want you to look at the graphic that's shown there. It's another of these plottings of anomalies. That is, difference in temperature from average. The average being the center line. This goes back over 2,000 years of planet history. And um, it's, it's giving estimates of the planet's temperature. And it's showing that between 400 and 1400, the temperature's difference was positive, greater than average. And that's a period known as the medieval warm period. And then when you come from um, the 1800s uh, onwards, or certainly from 1400s onwards towards the 1800s, the temperatures are less than average. And that's known as the Little Ice Age. So my point is carbon dioxide from industry and methane from intensive agriculture have increased significantly over the past hundred years. But we're not responsible, of course, for the historic time that's shown in the diagram. This 2,000-year review suggests we may be responsible for a small part. And the debate, of course, is if the 0.04% of atmospheric carbon dioxide, yes, you read that correctly, atmospheric carbon dioxide is only 0.04% of the gases in the atmosphere. But even though that's tiny, and our contribution of that is a fraction of that, it is proposed that this is a significant driver. This causes temperature to rise, which amplifies the effect through water vapour in the atmosphere. So, should Christians care about global warming? Well, yes we should, because God created the universe, the world, and all that's in it. Exodus 20, verse 11, during the citing of the Ten Commandments. God created it directly, and he created it with a purpose, and he created it with us in mind to enjoy it. Humans, it states in Genesis 1, verse 26, humans were to take dominion over the earth. Meaning, we are to be its stewards. Not to exploit it thoughtlessly, but to manage it in a responsible way as its stewards. God is the owner, we are its stewards. And right from the beginning when Adam and Eve were put in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 2 and verse 15, they were told to, to dress it and to look after it, to tend it and to keep it. So they were to care for their environment. And we can just broaden it out from there. That's God's remit, caring for our environment. If you get a chance to look at the Story of Stuff project online, it's well worth doing so. You can see the horrific damage that we are doing to our planet through the production of so much plastic. This is a real menace and a problem, and we should do whatever we can to reduce that. So, that leads us on to what we should do about it. I would say to you strongly, don't engage in climate science politics. It's a minefield. It's so political. And other campaigners have very different agendas from a Christian agenda. So don't get into the political science of it. But do reject the throwaway mentality. Do support sustainable fashions. And do reduce plastic waste as much as you can, as much as we all can. Because that is a terrible sight to behold when you see the sea in some parts of the Philippines covered in plastic.
want to say also before the Lord showed the Apostle John those glimpses of the future in the book of the Revelation he did show him God upon the throne in chapters 4 and 5 and that was the preface and it's as if God is saying through that words taken from Isaiah 8 and verse 12 don't fear their fear the world's afraid just now we as Christians do not need to fear their fear we know what the future holds we know in fact who holds the future God is on the throne disaster will not overtake the planet because he is sovereign but do make the most of the opportunity that we have for addressing the felt need that people have for hope that leads us on to David's topic shortly but what we can say Proverbs 21 Proverbs 27 and verse 1 is we cannot boast of tomorrow but we can boast of a forever what a message that is in a world that's so afraid that 51% of people under 35 think it's somewhat likely that all of humanity is going to be wiped out in the next decade don't boast about tomorrow but you can boast about a forever don't fear their fear now